Hi, I'm Kimberly Beekman, host of Grit or Gift, a podcast by Miraflora Naturals. Miraflora is committed to helping people be their best naturally. On this show, we interview people who have risen to the top of their fields and ask the question, is it hard work or natural talent that defines success? Hey, listeners, we have a special treat for you this month. We'll be doing a series of winter Olympic-themed podcasts to get you stoked for the games in February. Our first guest in the series is Ben Berend, who was in the 2018 games in Pyeongchang for the Nordic Combined. Ben grew up in Steamboat, Colorado, where he now lives with his fiance, and he'll explain the ins and outs of this strange sport, give you tips on who to watch next month, and talk about how he became one of the country's best. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to our show. Thanks for having me, Kim. Yeah, so this is our special Olympics podcast series. And I should tell our listeners that I met you, I think it was, gosh, three years ago or something. You were our river guide on a press trip up in Montana. And we just kind of hung out for a day or two and got to know you a little bit and knew that you were in the Olympics for the Nordic Combined in 2018. So I thought you'd be a great guest on our show to kind of talk about that side of the Winter Games, because I don't think many people know what Nordic Combined is. Tell us a little bit about what that is and how the hell they put these two crazy disciplines together in one thing. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not many people know about it outside of like certain communities in the U.S. And yeah, so Nordic Combined is ski jumping and cross-country skiing put together basically is one sport. People always ask, well, do you just go straight from one into the other? You ski jump in the morning, you have a couple hours off, and then you do a cross-country ski race. And it's been in the Olympics since the first Winter Olympics. And from what I've been told, I haven't fact-checked this, but it was started in Norway um, basically as a way they wanted to figure out who the best all-around skier was. So they said, let's make a competition where you have to ski jump and cross-country ski because lots of people did one or the other. So it was kind of their way of figuring out who the ultimate winter athlete was. I mean, it's just so crazy. It's like two totally different things. I mean, I guess the biathlon is similar, right? You race really hard and then shoot a gun. But I would imagine that these two individual sports favor like totally different body types. I mean, you can probably really good at one and not so great at the other or mediocre at both, right? Like how does that work? Exactly. So it's, that's what makes it such a hard sport and such a frustrating sport, to be honest, is you have, if you take a look at, you know, the best ski jumpers in the world, super similar body types actually to like road cyclists, for example, super lean. And really it's all about um, power in the lower body. So it's being explosive. So pretty much like a really good ski jumper, doesn't weigh a whole lot and can jump really high, really, to put it uh, simply. And then you look at the best cross-country skiers in the world, you know, have amazing endurance, very muscular, and tends to be more like slow, slow twitch muscles. So then, yeah, exactly. With Nordic Combined, like most people are better at either ski jumping or cross-country skiing. And it's it's hard to like be really elite at both of them. I can't even imagine. And your strength, I think, was more the jumping than the skiing, or do I have that wrong? Yeah, yeah. I was definitely a better jumper than Nordic skier. 
So my whole career was just trying to figure out how to ski fast enough on the cross country course to not get passed by everybody. And, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I, I did my best. <laughs> when you do well in the jump, I think you get priority start, right? So you yeah, get- exactly. So whoever wins the ski jumping event, so whoever jumps the furthest in the morning, then starts the afternoon's race at zero seconds. And then they have an algorithm, basically, depending on how far behind that person you jump, you start a time slot back. So like the worst ski jumper will start like four or five minutes behind in a 10 kilometer race. And then it's just, uh, and then it's just a free for all to the finish line. So, you know, there's lots of movement within that pack during the cross country race. So I would always start at the front and, and I would see, I would get passed by a lot of people. And then, you know, you have the opposite, you have the guys that are really good jumpers and they're always starting at the back and just trying to race up as far as they can get. God, that sounds like total madness. <laughs> it's, it is. <laughs> oh, you grew up in Steamboat, which has Howelson Hill. It's one of the few places in this country that has ski jump like that, right? I mean, I think there's like eight or 10 of them or something. So you obviously got into that by growing up where you grew up. Do you remember looking at that as a kid and saying, God, I want to do that someday. Like, how did you start doing that? And what was your first ever jump like? Yeah. So when I was growing up, when I was a kid, we still had Nordic combined world cups. We would host a world cup every winter in steamboat. So my first memory of it was being probably in like kindergarten or first grade. And we would take a field trip from school and we would walk down to Howlson Hill the whole school, every school from, yeah, the elementary schools to the high school would walk down and watch the World Cup. It was like the best field trip ever. And I remember sitting there and, you know, seeing like these athletes from all over the world were like competing, you know, right at Howlson Hill. And then most of the Americans competing were steamboat athletes. So like immediately I was like, this is the coolest sport I could possibly do. So I had my mom sign me up. God, that's incredible. Yeah. Do you remember your first jump? Do you remember being absolutely terrified or? I don't remember. It's funny. Like, I, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately because uh, I coach down there now with kind of like the age group of when I first started. And so it kind of has been making me think about a lot of like my earlier memories of the sport. I don't remember my first jump necessarily. But I remember like a couple like really awesome days being like seven years old and like being on Christmas break and just on a Saturday, like a sunny Saturday, just being in Howlson, just like taking as many jumps as I possibly could and just being in like my own little personal heaven, just like thinking like this is as good as it gets. God, that is so awesome. And were you a super ballsy daredevil type kid? I mean... No, not at all. And it's funny because I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I am scared of heights. And I definitely know when to say no to things, especially when I compare myself to some of my friends that do a lot of crazy stuff. I'm like, I'm just not a daredevil. So people always think, oh, you're a ski jumper. You must be crazy. But it's really like anything you do enough as a kid, you lose all fear of. That's why it's so tough, like learning sports as an adult. Like, I wish I learned this as a kid. I wouldn't be as scared. <laughs> oh, I totally get that. I see people on the ski slopes, just alpine skiing. 
uh, who are just learning how as adults. And I, I honestly can't even imagine. I just can't even yeah. imagine. Yeah. Totally. Because it would be so scary. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely it was just a, it was just being a kid and not knowing any better and then just practicing a ton to the point where you just kind of lose some of the fear. Definitely not all of it. I, uh, I definitely had moments where I would be at the top of a ski jump and be like, yeah, I'm a little scared right now. Yeah. And what would you do in those moments? Like, how would you psych yourself into it? I don't know if there was even any like mental prep. It was just like, well, I have to do it. Even like when I was competing on the World Cup, like ski jumping in Finland, for example, it's like a really flat country. So all the ski jumps are built like skyscrapers up into the air. And you get up onto these really old towers and the wind's blowing and it's freezing and your skis are like getting pulled by the wind and it's icy and you're like 150 feet up in the air and I would be like competing in a world cup and I'd be like, this scares the shit out of me. <laughs> Terrifying. So I even had moments like when I was, yeah, like competing with like the best in the world and I was up there, not even really scared about like jumping, but just the fact that I was like up on this icy tower in the wind, it was definitely uh yeah, I, I had some fear in those moments. That is absolutely terrifying. I've never done anything even remotely close to that. I did the Woodward at Copper indoor park where they put you on those like roller skis and teach you yeah. and stuff. But that's like the closest thing I've ever been, you know, done that's like on a ramp. And it was terrifying. And I was going into a foam pit, not an icy landing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And then... In terms of like the the cross country stuff, when did you start getting into that? I mean, it's basically skate skiing in the Nordic combined event. Were, did you get into the to the Nordic skiing when you were ski jumping and and how did that? Yeah. So we still have a program here um, that is Nordic combined, like from the beginning. So you can be like five years old and be like, I'm going to be a Nordic combined athlete. And oh wow! You do cross country skiing, you skate ski, and you ski jump. Which was pretty cool because I think a lot of places, you know, you do one or the other and then you kind of like maybe put them together once you're older because there's just not programming for it. But here in Steamboat, like you can you can do the whole sport as like a five-year-old. That is so cool. Yeah. And did you take to the cross-country aspect as a kid? I mean, that's a lot of suffering for a little kid to endure, you know? The, the... <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not... I think about it a lot because when I'm coaching, I'm like the kids obviously like ski jumping so much more than they like cross country skiing. You know, they're like seven years old and we're trying to get them to cross country ski for a two hour training session and they get so bored and uh, we like cannot come up with enough games to keep them occupied. And I definitely was, I didn't like it as much as I like ski jumping, but I just kept doing it. And then I felt like I hit a certain age where you like almost appreciate it where you understand like, oh, this is really cool. You know, like, yeah, it's pretty painful, but it's awesome. You know, how, like the kind of fitness that you get from it and you start to like kind of embrace the suffer a little bit more. So I kind of stuck in long enough to like get it where it clicked. And I really liked to train for it. Like I loved all the training that was involved because like in the summertime, we would just be out on our bikes and go running. And like, it was just very active, which was great for me as a kid. So that was like the aspect that was awesome. God, that's so cool. And you still are extremely, I mean, it's not like you're old. 
how old are you? You're 26, 20... 26. 26. Yeah. All washed up. All washed up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you still are insanely fit. I mean, your social feeds are all mountain biking and, you know, lots of active stuff. So that bug clearly has still bitten you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the Olympics. I think you had a strong jump, but then ultimately didn't medal. And the U.S. has only won four medals, I think, in this sport, in the history of the U.S. doing this sport in the Olympics, all of which were in 2010. What was it like for you walking into the Olympics, knowing that the cards were stacked against you just as an American athlete in this discipline that Americans don't win in? I I imagine it would be sort of like the Jamaican bobsled team or something, you know, (laughs) For America, what what was that like walking into a, an Olympics where, you know, you you probably weren't going to win? Yeah, I mean, it's a total different experience, right? Like, I, I think about it a lot, like the difference between, you know, showing up and expecting to win a medal or fighting for a medal. And, you know, we showed up knowing, you know, for us to win a medal, the odds were pretty low, you know, based on what our results were like during the season. And so it was really like trying to just put your best result forwards and like, you know, we didn't talk about winning medals or anything like that. And I always think about how, how cool it would be to show up at the games and be like, yeah, like this is it. We're fighting for a medal, but also it was really, really cool to take it from the perspective of like, you know, we were just going there and trying to put our best performance forwards and like enjoy the whole experience as much as possible and for all of us, it's like we had all wanted to be, you know, in that stadium, like since we were kids. And so to be able to show up and yeah, like be less singularly focused on just like the one competition and more like on the whole experience of being there was was pretty special. God, that's so cool. And what was it like? I mean, you're you're the world's best athletes are all together in the Olympic Village and what what is it like behind the scenes? I mean, do people like party together or is everybody pretty serious? Is it like, you know, you only hang out with people in your sport or do you kind of mix and mingle? Like, what is it like? It's a whole mix of a lot of different things. So like the, the funny, so yeah, it's like, and I had, I knew nothing going into it. Like I had heard my teammates talk about prior Olympics and things like that, but I think each games are different based on the layout and the schedule and where the village is if there's separate villages, but we were pretty much, there were two villages, um, but we were with pretty much all of the ski athletes. So there were a lot of athletes in our village and it was like, you know, there were athletes in certain sports that competed. Like for example, the mogul team competed on like the second day of the games and the games last three weeks. So after they were done competing, they just were hanging out at the Olympics, like just, doing fun stuff and watching events for like pretty much three weeks. Whereas then like, I remember we were pretty much competing the whole time. So yeah, I actually vividly remember this when we were, we were lugging our suitcases through the village to get on the bus, to take us to the venue for, for like a day of training. And we were getting onto the bus and getting off of the buses was like the whole mogul team coming back from like a night of partying. And we were all just like, (laughs) we kind of looked at each other. We had this moment where like, we all looked at each other and we knew that team pretty well. 
and we were in such different worlds, you know, like we were like going to compete in the Olympics and they were just like coming back from the bars. And uh, so I think we had like definitely some, a little bit of jealousy or at least like pent up because we were competing the whole time. So we were definitely like seeing people having a lot of fun, but not taking part in it really till the end. Right. Yeah. But definitely like, I think there's, you know, obviously the focus is on competing, but also, you know, once that's over, all the athletes are ready to like celebrate. So there's definitely, uh, there's definitely a lot of celebrating going on. Did you compete in any other events other than the Nordic combined? Apologies, Ben. I didn't realize that. Just the Nordic combined, but we had, so we had three separate competitions. So we have a normal hill, a large hill, and then a team event. And they were kind of spread out throughout the whole time. So we'd have like training, 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 competition, training, 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 competition. So really like every day we were at the venues and um, it was actually like we got really into a routine where it was like almost like Groundhog Day where you're just like you wake up in this skyscraper in the Olympic Village and you go do your thing and you go back and like, you know, you eat the same thing every day. Like we definitely got into our routine while we were there. That's awesome. How did you feel after the Olympics were over? Obviously, you must have felt like celebrating just because you you got to the Olympics, you got to the ultimate, you know, place you can get to as an athlete and not meddling, I'm sure is disappointing on some level for everybody. Tell me about how you felt after it was all over. Were you relieved or, or yeah, what was that like? I would say, yeah, relieved is a great word. It is interesting journey, right? Because yeah, like growing up, I like decided I want to go to the Olympics when I was like seven years old. And I pretty much took it that seriously, like from that point forwards to the point where then like, you know, a couple of years before the Olympics, I was like, yeah, I pretty much have a spot on this team. Like I'm going to go to the Olympics. And then the year of the Olympics, I didn't have that great of a season was really on the edge of like, I might not actually go to the Olympics. And, and so it was kind of a roller coaster. And definitely at that point in my career, I was pretty burnt out you know we were traveling you know seven eight months a year you know competing and living out of our suitcases and it was awesome but it was definitely exhausting and so you know by the time that I found out I made the Olympic team it was like that was like the first relief it was like okay good I don't need to deal with you know whatever would have come from like missing out on that team and all the decisions I'd have to make from there you know do I want to do this another four years and then getting there and competing and and feeling like I had a good competition, like put a good effort forwards at the games was like the second one. And then at that point, I just like could relax because I had kind of like done what I set out to do. That is awesome. And did your family come to the Olympics to watch you in person or did they stay home? And they must have just been so proud of you. I can only imagine. Yeah, my mom and dad and sister were there. And I didn't get to see them very much, but they had a lot of fun and they came and watched all the events. And uh, that was like, definitely like, it was really special sharing it with my teammates. And then my parents was like the most special thing to, to share that moment with them because they had been so supportive of me, you know, for so long to get there. That was amazing. That's incredible. That's totally incredible. And then I would imagine, you know, coming back from that, like, 
I remember from the river trip we did, you have the Olympic rings tattooed on your chest, I think, right? Yeah. I imagine being an Olympian is just in you. I mean, I think if I were an Olympian, I would probably like tell everybody I'm fighting on the phone with like the insurance company lady be like, I'm not taking your bullshit. I'm an Olympian. I mean, I feel like it would be something that would just inform like little things in your daily life. Do you find that with yourself? Do you draw a lot of confidence from that? What's it like? Well, I will say the number one perk of being an Olympian from Steamboat is that I get a lifetime ski pass to the ski resort. And when I was on the edge and I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I might not make the Olympics. Um, Like a couple weeks out before the deadline, I was like very much on the edge. My full motivation was for the lifetime ski pass. Um, (laughs) I was like, I cannot let that slip away. Uh, But no, I mean, I think, I think it is, you know, like there's something, whether it's the Olympics or whatever it is, like if you set out to do something from a really young age, I mean, we all say we want to be things when we're kids and, I think most of the time, you know, either that changes, you don't you realize you don't want that at all, or, you know, stuff gets in the way. And so like, I think the confidence of having like seen something like that through for me is the biggest part in my everyday life where it's like, I know that I can, I can get there if I just put the time in. Um, yeah. Because that was like kind of my biggest takeaway, you know, like, it wasn't like, I wasn't like, you know, the most talented athlete in the world. And and I made it because I was so, so talented. It was like, really, I just, I just didn't quit. And I just kept going and kept going and kept going. You and um, so yeah. I think that's the confidence I take away from it, like into my everyday life now. Yeah. That's a cool lesson too, for sure. I feel like a lot of people do think there's it's more natural gift than hard work, but I don't think life is like that really. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess it can be, but it wasn't for me. (laughs) (laughs) What was it like transitioning, you know, from your role as an athlete into sort of a civilian, quote unquote, like, was that really hard for you to, you know, kind of transition into adulthood, really, I guess, you know, not spending all of your waking hours training as an athlete? Like, was that difficult for you to find your way? No, it was the best. It was like the best transition ever. I think I was ready for it though um, at that point. And and the way I transitioned was definitely like, it it couldn't have worked any better. But I I definitely, I had seen a lot of athletes like have a really hard time retiring in the past and like growing up. And I always thought like, I don't want to be that person. Like I want to, like, if I'm going to be done, like I'm just going to be totally done. And I think it would have been really hard for me to transition had I not like accomplish that goal. If I would not have made the team, I really don't know what I would have done, but because I like did, it was so easy to walk away. Cause I had like, I had gotten what I came for and I was totally ready for like all the stuff I had missed out on basically during all those years. So I was definitely ready for it. So after it's kind of a funny, like the events, because I had decided before the games that I was going to, I was going to be done after the season. And so going to the Olympics, knowing it was like, this is for sure going to be my only Olympic games was really cool. Cause I just completely soaked it all in and definitely didn't take like a second for granted. Yeah. And I had told my coaches like, Hey guys, I'm going to be done after this. 
And we had one more competition in Finland and we all got so sick after the Olympics. Like we had been told to not go into the food hall when we first showed up like the first week. Cause like, especially Nordic skiers, like everyone's so worried about getting sick because you can't yeah. Nordic ski if you're sick. Right. So we listened for like a couple days, but we just kept hearing about how good the food was in the food hall. So we all started breaking the rules like probably four days in because we were like the food we're eating sucks and we're having to drive like 10 minutes away for each meal. Right. And so we all started going to the food hall. No one got sick. We were like, after we were done competing, we were like having fun and doing like going to all these events and just like, you know, we were just having a blast. And then we all got so sick and we flew to Finland from South Korea and we all like competed and did horrible because we were all just like hacking up along and and then and then flew back to Germany and then flew all the way home. So it was a long travel home. But then yeah, at the time my my girlfriend was living in New Mexico. Um, she was going to school at the University of New Mexico. She was on the Nordic team. Mm-hmm. And um I would always visit her like during the off season. So I spent the whole spring just like hanging out in the desert in Albuquerque and pretty much being in college but not going to any classes because I wasn't <laughs> enrolled. Um, so I would just kind of hang out on college campus and was having a blast. And then the ski coach, I was training with the team when I was there because I didn't have anything else to do. And he said, do you want to come ski for our team next year? I was like trying to figure out what I was going to do. Yeah. Um, Cause at that time we, we all had scholarships for um, DeVry university. So we were all doing like online school and I was trying to figure out like, should I go to college? Should I, you know, just finish this up? Like, so it was perfect. And so I ended up doing that and finishing up at New Mexico and, uh, getting to yeah just hang out with my girlfriend like all the time because we went from you know being long distance like probably seven months eight months of the year for multiple years to then like being in college together which was so fun that is so awesome yeah and then we graduated together and yeah I got to be on the ski team there so I didn't like retire completely I was like a college skier which was the best yeah that was so awesome, Ben. I can't imagine trying to hold a relationship together seven months away. And you guys are engaged now, I saw. Yeah, um, we are. Congratulations. That's very Thank cool. You. Yeah, that's and she asked you, no less. She did ask me. Correct. That's yep. Awesome. It was awesome. That is so awesome. Congratulations. So happy Thank for you. you. Okay, so question. First of all, how are you watching the Olympics this year? Do you still follow the sport closely? Does it make you miss it when you watch it? And I'm sure you have tons of friends that are still on the team and all that, right? Yeah, pretty much our whole team is intact, uh, minus Brian Fletcher and I from the last Olympics. And um, and I follow it. Like, I, I follow all the skiing sports. Like, I, I watch most of the events. I still like waking up in the morning with my coffee and watching whether it's like ski racing or ski jumping, cross country, Nordic combined. I, I definitely keep in touch with it all. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever have pangs where you really miss it? Not really. No, (laughs) I think I did it long enough that I was like, I don't feel like I still need to be there. Right. Totally. 
But I do, I think when I see them competing in some of the like beautiful, amazing, you know, towns in Europe that I love to go to, I think what I miss more is like being in those towns and like traveling. Like I, I definitely miss like, you know, like, wow, I used to travel all over the place and like get to see all these cool places. Whereas like I get on a plane once a year now for like visiting my cousins in Portland during Thanksgiving. So I'm not like traveling all over the place anymore. So that's definitely the part that I, uh, that I do think about. For sure. For sure. And, um, in asking you all these questions and from when I first met you, it just struck me so much that you were one of the most positive people I think I'd ever met. You're just very positive person, like exude this kind of happiness. Like what's your secret? How the hell are you so happy all the time? And like, how do you stay so positive throughout all of life's challenges? Oh man, that's a good question. I should have asked me that beforehand so I could think about it. No, um, I just don't think there's, there's any other way to like, I don't know. I've just never found that I get a whole lot done when I'm, you know, like feeling sorry for myself or, or being bummed out about things. And, um, you know, I think the hardest challenge I ever had to like my super positive attitude was when I was like traveling around Europe competing and getting my ass kicked a lot. And I would totally have moments where I was like, wanted to feel so bad for myself. And, you know, I'm like traveling around by myself and I miss my family and my girlfriend and, you know, things aren't going well. And I just kind of like kept coming back to like, it doesn't really accomplish anything for myself. And so I've just kind of like, I don't know, it's, there's just like so much other good stuff. You can always find like something else that's good, even when something's bad. So if I just try and remember that. That is good advice. I try to do the same and I'd say it works about 10% of the time. <laughs> it doesn't really work all the time. Oh. So tell me how you're going to spend this year's Olympics. Like, will you get together with all your friends and kind of make an event out of it and watch the events that are nearest and dearest to your heart? And, and, and who will you be watching? Yeah, I, I'll definitely throw some Olympic watch parties for definitely the skiing events. And I'm I'm going to be watching. I have a good friend from high school, Jalen Koff, who is one of the best mogul skiers in the world right now. And I love watching her compete. And uh, she definitely could win a medal, which is amazing. And so I'll definitely be watching that. I have a friend who's in snowboard cross, who has a good shot at a medal. He's the world champion in snowboard cross. His name is Mick Deardorff. He's from Steamboat. And definitely the Nordic combined ski jumping, ski racing. I love watching Michaela. And I think I like watching the sports that I don't like watch on an everyday basis, right? Like this, with the Summer Olympics, I never watch any of those sports for the most part. But with the Winter Olympics, I like watching pretty much everything because I always learn something and see an athlete compete that I've never heard of. And I think that's pretty neat. That's awesome. Well, I'm really excited for the Olympics as well. And oh, I have one more question. When are they going to let women compete in the Nordic combined? And what is the deal there? Like, are women just, well, how does this happen? What's happening on that front? It's so wild. I, it's funny because so when I grew up as, you know, grew up doing the sport, we had tons of women in the sport in Steamboat specifically, like 
all these amazing athletes that would do Nordic combined. And then they'd hit a certain age where they realize like, Oh, there's really no future in the sport for us. So they would all become cross country skiers and they'd go ski in college and get scholarships. And they basically had to give up Nordic combined because there was no future for it. And the older and older I got, the more I just like couldn't figure out why are we the only sport that, that doesn't have women competing in the Olympic games. And they really didn't start making an effort until probably would have been like eight to 10 years ago to even like start having competitions, like international competitions with women. And yeah, I mean, they always said like, Oh, there's just not enough athletes. We just can't do it. But the reason there weren't other enough athletes was because there were no opportunities. So they were choosing other sports. Right. And so I think they finally realized that the, what they had to do is just start, start, letting them compete and like give those opportunities. And sure enough, like all these athletes have come out of the pipeline, you know, just within the last couple of years. So they have a world cup now and they have world championships now. And so I'm not super tuned in with like the politics of it, but I'm assuming the next Olympics. And, and if not, it'll be the, the ones after that. Like there's no way it'll be more than eight years, but I don't really know how, how right. that all works. Right. It seems kind of crazy. I think wasn't the last Olympics. I could be totally wrong on this. The first Olympics, they allowed women ski jumping. Yeah. Um, okay. Sochi. So, so 20, okay. 2014 okay, was the first. Yeah. Yeah. So they've had two games now for women's ski jumping. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's totally brutal because, you know, we always used to laugh about this is like, the Nordic combined world cup is like the biggest, it's like the world's traveling sausage fest, right? Like <laughs> only dudes. Yeah. And I think that we would have all like really liked some female energy around. Um, I certainly would have. So I think it, you know, it needs to happen and uh, hopefully pretty soon it will. Totally, totally, totally. And does your girlfriend, your girlfriend obviously did not do any Nordic combined because there's no future for her in Nordic combined. But do you guys go Nordic skiing together even now? Or do you mostly Alpine ski together? What do you guys do? Yeah, we do Nordic ski. She's actually a cross country skiing coach here in Steamboat now. So she skis all the time and is in way better shape than me. I just try to keep up when I do get to go with her. But we Alpine ski a lot because we grew up like you know, on all, I think about all the powder days that I spent, like either like shoveling the ski jumps or Nordic skiing. And we do not miss powder days. Now we, we are always up on the resort. And so that's kind of where our focus has gone is like, we're trying to make up for lost time because we both grew up Alpine skiing, but just not getting to do it enough. Yeah. So we definitely do a lot of that now and a lot of backcountry skiing and things like that. But we do Nordic ski, you know, from time to time. I love it, Ben. You deserve all the powder days you can possibly get. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Really appreciate you being on the show. And yeah, I can't wait to watch the Winter Olympics. So I'll probably be texting you during your Olympic watch parties to, to figure out, you know, who your money's on. So yes, please do. Cool. Thank you so much, Ben. Thanks, Kim. We'll talk to you soon.